G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Recently, I did a 20-week series in our church called You Ask For It. Instead of going away and preparing some teaching that I wanted to bring to the church, I asked the congregation, what would they like me to teach on? One of the subjects that I was given was this question, how can I overcome sin? When I received that, I began to smile because anyone who asks that kind of question doesn't really have a problem with sin. They are spiritually healthy because that's the normal Christian life. We're all aware of the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. The person who does have a problem with sin is the one who is blasé about it, the one who is indifferent and doesn't even acknowledge it. When you become a Christian, you receive a new nature and that new nature can never feel comfortable about sin. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And it's Phil here and throughout this week we've been looking at the issue of sanctification, in particular God's way of sanctification. And it might be a good thing to start, Ken, to uh, recap on some of the things we've discussed so far this week. First of all, for those who are unaware, what does sanctification mean? It's one of those big scary religious words. And also, what are some of the misguided ways that Christians try to deal with their sin? We've touched on that too. Yeah, well, sanctification is the present tense of our salvation. Uh, there's a past, present, and future tense in salvation. The past deals with what Jesus did at the cross mm-hmm. in saving us from the penalty of sin, and we call that justification. Our sins have been forgiven, and we've been declared righteous forever because of what Jesus did at the cross. It's a done deal. It's finished. It's complete, yep. and it's all taken place in the past. Now, the glorification is the future tense where one day we will be delivered forever from the presence of sin. We won't know temptation or sin ever again. Yeah. But sanctification is what we're going through in, in this very life that it's we're living. It's the here and now. It's the here and now. We are tempted, but we are learning that we have power over sin. And so it's learning to embrace the victory that Jesus has given to us over sin on a daily basis. Okay, so let's get to some of the things that uh, Christians do sometimes to try and deal with that sin that might be just a little misguided. Yeah, we spoke about some of those erroneous ways, if you like, of uh, trying to deal with sin. Um, we talked about the crisis experience, you know, going forward on the order call, hoping we'll get some power encounter that will enable us to deal with our problem that we're struggling with. Mm. Well, we don't need a power encounter. We need a truth encounter because God says that his divine power has already given to us everything we need for life and godliness. So, you know, don't go looking for a touch here or a power encounter there. You've got everything you, you need to live the Christian life. Of course, another common way is casting out the demon. You know, blame the demon, blame the devil. The devil made me do it. Yep. Get rid of the demon and I'll never have that problem again. No, the problem's not a demon. Uh, it's actually the flesh and we will. the flesh is with us until the day we die. And so um, God's way of dealing with the flesh is walk in the spirit. Uh, so let's leave the devil out of this one. <laughs> another one that's been very common is let's afflict ourselves. If it is the flesh, let's give the flesh a hard time. Let's beat up on it. Let's flagellate ourselves. Let's wear sackcloth. Let's fast. Let's go, you know, uh, do all these things that are really going to punish the flesh. 
But, you know, the more you focus on the flesh, the more strength you give to it. Yep. The more attention we give to the flesh, the more prominent it will become in our lives. Another common one is just let go and let God. Now, if that was true, then all the uh, exhortations in the New Testament to live and behave in a certain way would be pointless. If God's going to do it, just leave it to him. And and also the other problem with that is that whenever we do fail, whenever we sin, we just say, well, it's not my fault, it's God's fault. He hasn't dealt with that yet in my in my life. So God is actually responsible for our bad behavior. Now, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that um, uh, you know God has given us victory and dominion over sin. So we're, we're learning what that really means. Now, the last thing we touched on, Phil, was this thing called um, moralizing or behavior modification, which is just to try to deal with our problems by rules and regulations. And we said, and this is what we're going to come on to today, God hasn't given us laws. He's given us life. He hasn't given us rules. He's given us a relationship with Christ himself through the indwelling spirit. And that's really the heart of the difference between the old and new covenant, isn't it? It's about relationship. Okay, so there are all the things of how not to. What is the correct way? Or I guess probably the better way, what's God's way of sanctification? That's our title. Yes. Well, God's way of sanctification is always to begin with the question, who are you? Now, many of Paul's letters, he would begin with our new creation identity before giving any exhortation to walk or behave in a certain way. He wouldn't get onto that until he'd really established our new creation identity. That's really interesting. Yeah. His point is, this is who you are. Now go and be those people. (laughs) So before you can expect these outcomes of dealing with our sin, we need to understand who it is that we are in Christ. That's what Paul says. That's right. All, all, All our life flows out of the picture that we have of ourselves. So if we've got the wrong picture of ourselves then we're going to ro- behave wrongly. I mean, if I see myself as, uh, myself as a sinner, when the Bible says I'm righteous, I'm going to behave sinfully. That's what sinners do. But if I see myself as the righteousness of God, I will walk in that righteousness by the grace of God. I guess it's a bit like trying to deal with a wonky house. Until you deal with the foundation underneath that's the yeah. root cause, you're not going to be able to deal with the problem. It's the same thing. That's our foundation. That's exactly right. And I, and I do fear that um, many Christians, and this would be certainly so in the first few years of my life, didn't really have good foundations, mm. uh, weren't taught these, uh, what I call these identity truths. And, and when you look at all the major epistles of Paul, like Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, he deals with the first part of those epistles telling the Christians who they are in Christ. For example, in Romans, he says, now you died uh, with Adam to your old identity. You died to who you were in Adam. You are now raised to newness of life. You're a new creation in Christ. Then he says, I beseech you, therefore, walk worthy mm. of that calling. You know, of who you uh, are. Same in Ephesians. He spends the first three chapters talking about now we're positioned with Christ. We're seated with him in the heavenly places. And then he says, I, I therefore beseech you, walk worthy. Uh, the same in Colossians. He says, now, you've been raised with Christ, therefore seek those things which are above, where Christ is. And I so guess that's, it's kind of fundamental because if you don't know who you are, you can't be that person. That's a good point, Phil. Uh, maybe I can give you an illustration of that. You know, in the days of the American Civil, Civil War, that, that great an- announcement came of uh, the emancipation of slaves. You know, they were free. Yeah. Now, a lot of the slaves, especially the older ones, couldn't come to terms with that because all they'd known is slavery mm. and for so many years. And so they didn't know what it meant to be free and they just carried on living till the end of their lives as slaves to their masters. Mm. They were free, but they weren't living as free because they did not get that revelation of their freedom. Or let's put it another way. You know, we, we might say to someone, oh, don't be a baby. Now, they're not a baby. They're an adult. And what we're trying to say to them is, hey, 
you're behaving like a child, like you were, you know, as an infant, you're not that uh, child anymore. You're an adult. So behave according to what's true about you now. Mm. So how would it differ from some of the erroneous ways of sanctification that we looked at? Well, behavior modification tells us to do certain things without, first of all, telling us who we are and what we have. Now, Paul never did that. In fact, I would say this, Phil, no preacher or teacher has the right to exhort Christians to any kind of behavior without first telling them their new position in Christ and and the resources that are available to us in him. For example, John says, you are the righteousness of God. You have the seed of righteousness. Mm. Now, that righteousness will eventually manifest itself in holy living because that's what righteousness does. But first of all, he says, this is who you are. You are righteous. You have the seed of righteousness. Um, Paul says in another place, you know, you are to work out your salvation because God has worked in you something. He's actually worked in you the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. All that God wants you to be, this new creation in Christ, you know, conform to the image of Jesus, he's actually worked that into you. He's imparted to you the life of the Son of God. Now, work out what he has worked in you. Here's another thing. Paul keeps saying to us, you're not under law, you're under grace. Now, why does he say that to us? What he's saying is that we have now access to God's very life. Grace is God's ability in the place of our inability. And uh, in fact, he says in another place, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And that's what he wants us to to know. And so he spends a lot of time telling us who we are, what we have in Christ. And then he goes on to exhort us, now be those people and live accordingly. Our series this week is on God's way of sanctification and we'll have more for you tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book This Is The Life, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.